everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are landing this plane today. We're landing the plane of revelation over resolution. And at this point, maybe you've decided, you know what, I'm going to try a resolution next year. You know, this just didn't work out. I'm just, it didn't go the way I thought it would go. And I mean, it's a lot harder than it looks or something along those lines. But, um, and, and if you're still going with one, keep going, keep pressing on. You can do it. I'll inspire you. If you want to like text me and say, I need some motivation, I will. I'll send you some motivation. Uh, if you want like, you know, some tips, uh, I don't really have a lot, but uh, you can you can ask. I'll I'll give you a, some sort of you know encouragement. That's the best I can do. But um, but really, we're talking about though resolutions are important. Um, we're talking about having a revelation, uh, a revelation. That's really what we're talking about. It's the idea. A revelation is simply this: it's to become visible, uh, to become visible. So so the idea is that there's a truth that we want you, God wants you to know that be what that to become visible in your life. And we'll talk a little bit more about this as we as this message goes on uh, today, but it's really, that's what it's about. We, we want, we need what, what sustaining, what lasts uh, forever is a, is a revelation for, for truth to become visible in our lives. And that will make all the difference in the world. So we, we've been looking at, um, there were seven churches in Asia Minor, what's now known as Turkey, seven churches that, that Jesus specifically, through the Apostle John, wrote uh, letters to. And, and, and some, you know, he had some critique on, some he commended them and, and, and things. And so, um, and, and those are all things that we need to know. We, uh, oftentimes we need to have a little bit of critique, you know, some constructive criticism every once in a while. We're you know, let's let's not be so thin-skinned all the time, right? Uh, let's let's learn from each other. Let's grow from each other. Those are things that are important. And so Jesus said, hey, "Listen, I, there's some things that you need to. You're doing well, and there's some things that you're not doing well. Is, that's the reality for all of us. I hate to hate to break it to you. The other cool thing about this is, is that there, the Book of Revelation is a message for the global church, what I call the Big C Church. And and the global church is doing fine, by the way. It is growing. It is making an impact. It is changing the world. It is, it is doing, uh, it is a force for good and, and, and the enemy can't stop it. There's nothing the enemy can do to stop it. The global church. But also this, these are letters, and I hope this is encouraging to you. These are letters to specific local churches. Like, like, like these little churches in these little cities um, that were just trying to get it right, trying to figure it out, didn't always have it right, but sometimes they did get it right, and he, he let them know about both. But these were just, these were just Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Almighty God, Creator of the universe, said to these local churches, "I've got a message for you. I've got something that I want to become visible." for you. And that's true for us. Like our church here in Walled Lake, that Jesus, the creator, maker, sustainer, savior of the world has a specific message for us. 
Like, how cool is that to think about? That God, the message of God comes to us in our little little city of Walled Lake or wherever you're from, maybe Commerce or Wixom or Novi or Waterford or wherever you're coming from. You, that God has a message for us us together in this room and those maybe aren't in this room today but or, or watching uh, online there's a message for us so we've been looking at like I said the, the different churches and the church of Ephesus we began was was the loveless church they did a lot of the good things but they they forgot their first love the church in Smyrna uh, they were a great church but they were just persecuted I mean they lived what what Jesus called described like the the synagogue of Satan like where Satan lived I mean can you imagine you know your city the city that you live in being described as the city where Satan lives like that's a terrible place to be right and that was a church that was trying to you know build the kingdom of God in that city Pergamum was the compromising church Thyatira was a tolerant church they tolerated too many things they allowed too many things uh, in, in their lives um, Sardis was a, they were just a dead church. They were just uh, strictly dead. And then the church of Philadelphia, uh, Pastor Jason talked about that last week, was, was a church that was, was alive. And they were alive and they were, they were thriving. They were doing well. Well, today we're going to talk about the final church, the last church uh, in Asia Minor. And that's the church of Laodicea. Laodicea is known as the lukewarm church. And so we're going to pick it up in Revelation uh, 3.14. And it says this. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea to write, the amen, the amen, or, or the, the true one, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of the creation of God says this. And so just like every church, every letter that each church got, they got an introduction of, or, or at least a, a trade or a characteristic of, of who Jesus is. And so to Laodicea, Jesus introduces himself in this way, that I am the amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the origin of the creation of God. And, and so this ought to get their attention, and this ought to get our attention, that this is the kind of God that, God that is addressing us and who he is and how important that is. Now, there are some uh, characteristics about this church, uh, all right? Um, Kate, can you help me out for a second? Can you bring that jar of money, okay? So the first thing is, and uh, this is our savings account right here. Um, just kidding. <laughs> The first thing about, about this city is that they were, they were wealthy. They were a wealthy, wealthy city, Laodicea. They, had, they, they were so wealthy that on two occasions, they had earthquakes that, that, that took place in the city. And the, and the Roman government came in and said, hey, do you want us to help you rebuild? And they turned the government aid away and said, we got this ourselves. Twice on two occasions. That's how, that's how wealthy uh, they were. Um, they also were known for their black wool, their soft black wool. And uh, think, <laughs> it's supposed to, maybe, hopefully. Um, they're also known for their, their they, they, they had a reputation. And I, you know, that's, and again, for us, it's like black wool, big deal. We can find that anywhere. Well, you think, even though I went to Walmart last night and I, couldn't find black wool. This is actually fleece, uh, but we're going to pretend it's wool, okay? Uh, and maybe that's the same. I don't know my fabrics. I don't know. Okay, people are shaking their head. No. And, I, and so, um, 
good. I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was. So they, they, they were known for their, their black wool. That's what they were known for, okay? And so people would come around the world if they wanted black. It would, black was hard to come by at that time, and so they, they were known uh, for that. The other thing they were known for were their, was their healing eye salve is what they were known for, okay? So they, they had um, they would, people that would come, and they would actually invented something in, in the city of Laodicea that would, people would come with whether they had cataracts or, or some sort of eye disease or blindness, that people would come and they would get some of you know this, this eye salve uh, that was that was discovered um, by uh, you know medical professionals in the city of Laodicea. So you got that they're wealthy. That they were they they loved. They created and people would, and you know, and love their black soft wool and their eye salve. Okay, so these are some of the things that the city was was known for. The last thing that the city was was known for was their water. Their water. That's what they were known for was their water. And so the so the the water was was tough to come by. It was very very tough to come by in the in the city of Laodicea. Um, and so because of their because of their wealth. Okay, because of their prosperity, um, they were able to put in um, some some um, aqueducts, what they were called aqueducts, and they were they were they would put them in from you know cities nearby, just a few miles away. Okay, and so as a matter of fact, we get a little bit of a glimpse of the sort of the location of a couple of these cities where they would bring in one aqueduct that was that would bring in cold water, and another aqueduct that would bring in hot water. So just like in your home. You have a hot water and you have cold water. They would, they paid for these ducts to be brought in, these pipes from miles away, a few miles away from these different, you know, cities. And so we get a little bit of an introduction from that. We find that in Colossians 4.12. Here's what it says. Paul is describing this guy by the name of Epaphras, okay? He says, Epaphras, nobody really knows, uh, you know, who Epaphras is. Um, you know, people know Paul and they knew James, they knew Peter, they knew John, they knew all these other guys, but Nobody really knew who Paphras was, but Paul's like, Paphras is, he's a, he's a great Jesus follower. He says, who is one of your own, so he was from Colossae, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, always striving earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And so this was Epaphras from Colossae, who was one of their, one of their people, and he, Paul was just describing him as a bond servant, you know, he was always striving earnestly, praying for, you know, the people to, to, to be, stand mature, you know, to stand firm in their faith, to be mature, to grow in their faith, to be fully assured of the will of God, the, the personal will of God for their life. This is, this is the way that Paul describes it. Then look what he says. He says, for I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in, there's our city that we've been, we're looking at, for those who are in Laodicea city and Arapolis, Arapolis. And so here's these two cities. Now, here's why this is, I'm sharing this with you. Because the aqueducts that were brought into Laodicea were from Arapolis and Colossae. Okay, that's where they were from. They were from, they, so they would bring in from Arapolis, they would bring in to, to help 
you remember, to help me remember, they would, from the Aeropolis, they would have these hot springs. It, would, it, would, it was described as these really boiling hot springs. And they would set up these ducks from Aeropolis and they would come into Laodicea. And then in Colossae, was sort of up on a mountain. And so there they would bring in cold water. So from Colossae, C, cold, A, Aeropolis, H, hot, right? Does this help you to remember? You don't need to remember it, but it helped me remember it. Um, and so they would, they would bring in this, this cold water from Colossae into, into Laodicea, into Laodicea. That, so here's a couple images. Here's, here's some of the hot springs. That's, you know, today uh, where Aeropolis would, would be is what it, sort of what it looked like, sort of the hot springs that would, would come in. And then here's, a, from, here's sort of what they look like. Here are these ducks, and you can sort of see, you know, some of the calcium that's built up in these in these pipes, right? That's that's from the water that would that would come in, calcium that would come in. So that was from Colossae that would bring in the cold water. But here's here's the thing. When this water would come in, by the time that it would arrive to the city of Laodicea, traveling, I don't know, five or six miles in a one way, it would come in not hot. Nor would it come in cold from Colossae. It wouldn't come in hot from Aeropolis. It would come in what? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. So this is Jesus saying, listen, I'm using, and he uses this, and we're going we're gonna, to, these four aspects, wealth, clothing, black wool, eye salve, and water, he uses these things that Laodicea was known for, and he uses them for a spiritual lesson. He uses them for a spiritual lesson on what? Well, just what Epaphras was praying for, that you become fully mature and assured of the will of God. This is, and, and, and according to, you know, Paul and Epaphras, he had concern for, he had concern for the church in Laodicea. He had concern for the church in Laodicea. Why? Because they were starting to become not hot, nor were they cold. They were becoming lukewarm. Right? They weren't fully maturing in their faith. They weren't being assured of the personal plan and the will of God for their life. And so they were becoming a people that had a faith that wasn't hot or on fire for God, nor was it even really cold. They weren't like atheists and didn't believe in God. They were just lukewarm is what they were. So Jesus says it this way, Revelation 3.15. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. Again, he knows your deeds. He knows what we're doing. He knows what you're about. He knows what you're, what you're thinking. He knows what you're, what you're making your habits about. He knows what your struggles are in. He knows what your temptations are. He knows what you're, you know, doing and not doing. He, he knows, he knows your deeds. And here's what he says. He says that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Now, isn't that interesting? He says, Jesus is going, listen, somebody, you, I'd rather you be hot. Like, I'd rather you be on fire for God. I'd rather you be passionate about the things of God. I'd rather you be passionate about fully maturing and growing in your faith. And, and, and your deeds are to serve others and to love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, it, Jesus is going, I want you to be hot. I want you to be on fire. I want you to be passionate for me. Or if you're not going to be that, 
If you're not going to be that, I'd rather you just be cold. Like, I'd rather you be just like an atheist or an agnostic or somebody that at least they have the integrity to say, I just don't believe this. I don't believe this. I, I'm, not, I'm not with the fact that Jesus resurrected or, or I'm not with the fact that, you know, he was born of a virgin or whatever the issues are with those who having a hard time coming to a faith in who Jesus is. He says, listen, I'd rather you be, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. I certainly want you to be hot, but I don't want you to be lukewarm. That's what I don't want you to be. Then look what he says. Look what he says. And you already know this. You guys have been in church too long, all right? You already know what's coming, right? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, that's some audacious statement, don't you think? That's a that's like whoa Jesus like chill out man like like what you're going you're saying man anybody that's like not hot or or even somebody that's not even cold like that they're if they're just lukewarm in their faith like you just want to vomit them out of your mouth so i thought it would be fun to illustrate this any volunteers Hannah could. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Hannah's going to volunteer. We always, you know, George mentioned we like to institute some of the kids' church elements to things, okay? So it's like... So he's going... Mom says, watch your hair. So he's going, listen, here's somebody that isn't hot and they're not cold. This is like the church. He's going, listen, listen. you're like, you're like, you're, you're sort of just teetering the fence. You're like, I, you know, I sort of do a little bit for God over here, but then I kind of live selfishly over here. Like I, I kind of like, you know, I, I give a little bit of my time or resources, or, but I also then like, I, I really just am kind of just hoarding things or keeping things. Like it, it's just, there's just sort of like on this fence of, of lukewarmness. Like I, I, you know, I, I like coming to church and, you know, getting a little bit of the message. But other than that, it's just like, you know, it's, for me, it's just kind of checking a box. You know, like I, I feel better. I don't feel as guilty if I, if I show up in this and that. Like it's oftentimes we, we sort of get into this, like uh, it's sort of just on, not fully in, not fully out either. Just right there sitting the fence, right there sitting the fence. And Jesus is going, you know what, you know what that is? He's like, that's just lukewarm. And you know what I want to do like to people that are lukewarm? I want to vomit them out of my mouth. Now, my kids, are you, you're just waiting for this moment, right? My kids, they make fun of me because of how bad of a vomiter I am. I know, like, I, like others are like graceful vomiters. I, I, I like, my, I'm a terrible, like, I, Kate, my wife is horrified right now. I... Am the, do, is it terrible? My, 
Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awful, it's awful. So anyways, so Jesus is going, look, I just want to vomit you out of my mouth. So he's like, listen, it's like your faith, what you're bringing, what you're offering. <laughs> Give Hannah a round of applause, everybody. <laughs> That's my child. I wouldn't have picked any of you. I was like, Hannah, do you want me to, can I spit on you at church today? But that's the picture. That's the illustration. And then so he's like, this is like, don't be lukewarm. Like, because Jesus is going, I just, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. Is, so he goes, so then he says this. Because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have no need of anything. So you know what made them lukewarm? What made them lukewarm was the fact that they were so wealthy, they had so much prosperity, that they had zero dependency on God. This is such a commentary on the West. This is such a commentary on the American church. We are so wealthy that we feel like that we don't really have any kind of need or dependency on God. And as a result of that, we are just sort of lukewarm. We, we kind of check boxes. We pray a few prayers before a meal. We, you know, we, we look at a, a scripture occasionally throughout the week. We try to make it to church. We, we, we consider being a part of a group or, you know, we give, we tip God when, you know, if a plate goes by, but a plate hasn't gone by in months. So like, well, well, I guess they don't need my money. You know? And so we get into a place where we think I don't need anything because I have everything that I need. And as a result of that, we lose our dependency on God. And that's what happened to wealthy Laodicea. They were wealthy, and so they were law. They 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 didn't. Say, I don't need anything. I'm good. Like earthquake, whatever. We'll we'll pay for the expenses of those, right? Like two earthquakes, government funding. No thanks. We got it. You don't think if they didn't rely on Roman government funding to help them rebuild their city, why would they need God? Why would they need their dependency in God? And this is what happens with us when it comes to our wealth, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our family dynamics, our kids, our, our marriages, whatever it is. If when things are going well, when do we really rely on God, right? Are you with me? Give me some head nods just to let me know that you're with me, okay? Because you know what happens? Here's what happens. Blessing blinds. Blessing blinds. Blessing blinds. Listen, you know when I'm the worst pastor? You know what? You want to know? I'm just, I'm just, can, we, can we be real? Let me just tell you. It's okay. You know when I'm the worst pastor? When I'm on vacation. 
Is this true? Like when I'm the worst Jesus follower, when I'm on vacation, why? Because I'm on vacation. Like things are good, right? You know, like things are going well. Like we're having a good time. Like that's the times where I don't pray a lot. I don't read my Bible a lot. And certainly don't ask anybody to help me. You know, don't ask me to help you because I'm on vacation, right? Like, like, you know, I, I feel like if somebody like came up to me and said, would you pray with me? I'm like, I'm on vacation. You know, like I can't, I can't. I'll, like call me next week when I'm home. Too real, too honest. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But blessings blind, right? They, they blind us to, to what we need and we get complacent. We get complacent. We get to a place where we think, I'm fine. Everything's good. Why do I need God? And then as a result of that, we become lukewarm. You see, it's when things are out of control is when we recognize our true condition, right? It's when things are out of control is when we recognize our true condition. It's when things aren't going well in our lives. It's when our health isn't doing, doing great. It's when our wealth is, is going down. It's when our kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Our grandkids, are whatever, our job isn't working out the way we want it to work out. It's not something that we love to do anymore. And that as a result of that, when things get out of control, that's when we go, Lord, where are you? Right? And the reality is, is that without Christ, without Christ, we are spiritually cleaned out. Without Christ, we're spiritually cleaned out. And the reality for all of us is this, is this, this is where we are at spiritually. We are cleaned out. And only thing that will fulfill, the only thing that will bring us purpose, the only thing that will bring us meaning, the only thing that will get us to a place where we fully depend on God is when we are spiritually cleaned out. But when we are full of wealth, health, happiness, goodness, blessings, that's when we lose our dependency and we become complacent and we become lukewarm. But the reality is this. The reality is that we are spiritually empty and we need God every single day because whatever was in this jar came from God anyways. It isn't yours. You were a steward of it. God gave it to you to care for and to steward and to take care of and to make sure that needs are met out in your world but also outside of your world. And that goes with, with your clothing, that goes with your health, that goes with any kind of supply or need that you have. We need to be dependent on him. If we're not, we are lukewarm. And if we're lukewarm, he wants to vomit us out of his mouth. Jesus's words, not mine. Don't kill the angel. <laughs> so he, here's what he then says. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have no need of anything, but here's the reality, guys. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Like, you thought because you had wealth, 
No, you're spiritually, you're poor. Like this doesn't equate. Like when, you're, when you have prosperity, material goods, when you have pre- material prosperity and, 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 and wealth, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, that doesn't equate to spiritual wealth. That doesn't equate to spiritual riches, right? Like that, that, that's not what it equates to. So just because if things are going well in your life and you're, you know, well in your life with your wealth and health and happiness and family and all that stuff, it's not necessarily because you're in great terms with God, but that's what they thought. That's what they thought. And he says, the reality is, is that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now look at this. Look at this. This is like a description of what we have. Like it, He's saying, he's saying, he's given us four things that they're known for, right? Miserable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, like the eye, the eye is salve, right? He says, like, you're blind, but you know, even though you've invented this eye salve, I think it's pronounced salve, eye salve, you have this, 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 you're still blind. And that even though you have this black wool, you're still even though you think you can cover yourself in this new designer black look and you think you're cool because of it, he's like, the reality is, is you're naked. You're naked. And, he's like, and just because, you know, you, you have like this water flowing system, these aqueducts coming into the city, it just, you're still, you're still miserable. You're still miserable. And just because you have all this wealth, you're still poor. He's giving them the, the description of where they were actually spiritually. Material possessions, they were good. But spiritually, they were lukewarm. They were lukewarm. So here's what his advice is. Here's his advice. Now, when Jesus gives us advice, we should listen. Do you agree? When Jesus gives us advice, we should listen. He says, I advise you to buy from me. In other words, I want you to invest in this. Here's my advice. When you have a financial advisor and your financial advisor tells you to invest in something, most likely you're gonna do it, right? You're gonna do it. When somebody, so Jesus is advising us to invest in in this, in what I'm, gonna, what I'm about to share with you. He's advising you to buy into this. Buy into this. Now, this is, this is what I want you to buy into. This is what I want you to invest in. Here's my advice. That's what Jesus is saying. Here's what he tells them. Verse 18. I advise you to buy into gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. Here's what he's saying. I want you to be okay with allowing hardships into your life and not trying to run from them or avoid them or run as fast as you can past them. I want you to allow difficulty, whether it's in your wealth, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your family dynamic, I want you to allow that circumstance, stay with me, this is important. I want you to allow that circumstance to refine you, for you to become, remember what Epaphras' prayer was, to become fully mature and to be 
assured of the will of God. If we keep trying to cover our problems with money or cover our problems with better health or cover our problems with trying to control our, our the behavior and within our marriage dynamic or our family dy- dynamic or our career dynamic, if we keep continue to try to just avoid that or skirt around that, or, or, or do everything that we can to, you know, to, to, to stay away from that. You're not allowing God to refine you by fire. Right? It, it, it is a pro, there's, oftentimes there's a process that God takes us through. That he allows us. This is hard. I know this is hard. He allows us to go through difficulties. He allows us to go through challenges because he wants you more important than anything else. He wants you to be fully mature and be like Jesus. That's what he wants you to be. And he wants you to understand the full assurances of the personal will of God. And oftentimes when we try to avoid those things with our wealth, and all the other material resources that we are, have available to us in our lives, we're skirting around one of the most important process that God wants to take you through, and that's a refining by fire. So the great advisor named Jesus is asking you to invest in something that is not complacency, but dependency on him. And just don't try to do everything you can to avoid the challenges. To skirt, I know, and it's our, let's be honest, it's our, it's our, how we're made. It's our natural inclination and we want to avoid hurt and pain and all this. Like, and sometimes it's just unavoidable and Jesus is going, that's okay. That's why, that's why James said it this way. James goes, consider it all joy when you go through various trials. Like, James, what are you talking about? Why would I consider it all joy? Why? Because it begins to produce things in you. It begins to refine you into becoming fully mature followers of Jesus and to fully understand the assurances of the will of God. That's why Paul said, like, he got, Paul asked God three times, God, will you take this thorn of the flesh away? Take this thorn. I'm having this, this terrible thing. And, and, and some th- think it was maybe some sort of eye issue that Paul had. He's going, God, take this away. And God said to Paul, my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. And Paul said then in response to that, <clears throat> that I will boast. I will be glad in my infirmities. I will be glad. I will boast in my hardships. Why? Because that when I am weak, he is strong. When I am broke and empty and dependent, that's when the power of God rests on you. I'm, I tell you right now, here's the reality. I tell you right now, you want You want the power of God more than you need a full jar. You with me? The power of God with an empty jar goes way further for eternity than wealth or material things or comfort. 
It does. You know, it's a paradox. It's a paradox. The paradox is this. They were rich and blessed because they were persecuted. They were rich and blessed because they were persecuted. Here's what Jesus said about this in Matthew 5. Here's what he says. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Verse 12. Rejoice, look what he says, rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. For this is this in the, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Like he's saying, listen, your life, your persecutions, your tribulations, your hardships, your challenges. You should rejoice in those things. Why? Because in reality, you're going to be rich in eternity. The reality is, is that there's going to be a reward in heaven for you. He says you're blessed when you do that. When we talked about the church in Smyrna, here's what it said about them. And, and remember, we looked at this a few weeks ago, uh, the church in Smyrna. He says, I know your tribulations and your poverty. But look what he says. But you are rich. He said, I know, I, I know you're going through. I know your difficulties, but, but you're rich. You're rich. So be dependent and allow God to refine you as you go through challenges in this life. Whether they're wealth issues, whether they're Material possessions, whether they're health issues, whether they're relationship issues, whether they're career issues, be dependent on God and allow yourself, allow yourself to be refined in that fire process so that you can be fully mature and assured of what God's personal will is for your life. Don't skirt around it. Don't run away from it. Don't try to avoid it. Embrace it. Embrace it. And what James says, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. Consider it all joy when you go through various trials. Because when you're weak, that's when you're strong. And the reason you're strong is because the power of Christ will rest on you. Here's another, some other advice. So go through a refining process. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to brush it under the rug or don't try to pretend. Go through the process. Number two, he says that my advice for you is to buy into or invest in. He says in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. Now, I spent a, a, some time on this concept a couple weeks ago. So remember, what were they known for? They were known for their black wool. They were known for their black wool. And so Jesus was saying to this, here's my advice for you. My advice for you is to trade in your sin to trade in your sin habits. 
to train in, trade in those fleshly desires, to trade in that, those, those behaviors that are only hurtful and destructive. He says, I want you to trade those things in for, he says, white garments, which represents purity, which represents holiness, which represents the, the righteousness of God. So a few weeks ago, I'm going to step out of the camera for just a second. A few weeks ago, remember Super Bowl Sunday? This is the concept, right? It's the same concept. Remember Matthew Stafford used to play for our Detroit Lions? Remember that? And so what did Matthew Stafford do, right? Matthew Stafford said, you know what? <laughs> I need to be traded. I need to be traded. I want to be traded. And so he says, listen. Would you trade me? Would you trade me out? And so they did. So they traded him out. So he traded in his, his Detroit Lions jersey. And he traded into, or he was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, on the morning of Super Bowl, we had no idea what the results would be. But I was fairly confident that the LA Rams were going to win. And they did, just in case you missed the game. And Matthew Stafford was the quarterback of the world champion, NFL Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. So what did Matthew Stafford do? Matthew Stafford said, I'm trading in the Detroit Lions organization, and I am going to buy into the Los Angeles Rams organization. And as a result of that, he is a champion. That's the concept that Jesus is trying to get you to trade. He's like, trade in the shame. Trade in the guilt. Trade in the sin. Tra trade in the anger. Trade in the immorality. Trade in the jealousy. Trade in the covetousness. Trade into whatever it is, the greed, whatever it is that you know that is inside of you, that it keeps pulling and luring you in. He says, listen, give that up. Turn in the black garment for a white garment. And you'll experience victory in your life. You'll experience victory over sin. You'll have victory over its strongholds. You'll experience what it means to have wins every single day when it comes to God's personal will for you. And so Jesus is advising you, trade that shame in. And as a free gift of salvation, you get to receive the white garment, the holy righteousness of God because the reality is this, is that your life, your sin, your, your, your attempt at righteousness, your attempt at doing good, your attempt at trying to be a better person is already just, it's already still just a black garment. It's what the, the Old Testament describes as filthy rags. It's filthy rags. But what Jesus is offering to you is he's offering you a free trade to receive the white garments of his righteousness. It's his righteousness. 
that you can put on. So when you do that, when you make that trade, when God sees you, he doesn't see your shame. He doesn't see your guilt. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your bad habits. He doesn't see your addiction. He doesn't see the things that are your thought life or what's in your heart. He, he only sees the what's called the imputed righteousness of Jesus on you. And so whatever it is that you are dealing with and struggling with, Jesus paid for that on a cross. And he exchanged your black wool for a brand new, clean, holy, righteous, white garment. The trade is available for you. Come on, everybody. Come on. Who's made that trade? Anybody in the room? Let's hear it. Who's made that trade? That, I'm telling you, that's a, it's worth it. He's going, come on, come on. Don't, don't live in lukewarm. Don't live in trying to do this for yourself and do this for God and, and, and be a part of this thing that you know you shouldn't and, but also go and do something for the Lord. Like, don't waffle, don't waver. Don't be lukewarm. Trade that in, trade that in for a white garment. And he can clothe you. He will clothe you. And when God sees you, when God sees you, when you do that, you are holy, you are blameless, and you are above reproach. And he says to you, you don't deserve it, and I didn't, don't deserve it. But he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Because you exchanged, you made a trade from the black wool to the white garment. The unrighteousness of yourself for the free gift of the righteousness of God. That's good advice from Jesus. Listen, buy into that. Buy into that. The third thing. And an eye salve, and an eye salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see. He's like, I want you to, I want you to see me. Jesus is going, I want you to see me for who I really am. I want your eyes to be open. You remember the story of the blind man, right? He came to Jesus and he, Jesus said, go wash your, 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 your eyes in the, in the pool. And, and the, the guy was obedient to the, to the word of Jesus. And he went and he washed his eyes in the, into the pool. And for the very first time, the blind man could see again. He could see for the very first time in his life. I mean, can you imagine that? Being blind your whole life, but then now being able to see everything in this creation. Uh, think about that. I mean, I, I was doing some painting this week, and I was telling somebody how I was just getting paint spray in my eyes. I was using one of those air you know, paint sprayers or whatever. And, and, and I was just getting just all this paint. I couldn't wait to get home and rip out my contacts and get all the paint, you know, droplings out of my contacts so I could see again. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, buy into the fact that there's some things in your life spiritually you're just not seeing. You're just not seeing. 
And I got news for you. We all have blind spots. And there's some things that we just don't see. And Jesus is going, listen, allow me, allow me to, to pull away the things that are in your eyes so that you can see me for who I am, for who I am. See, he's using all the things that they were known for to teach them principles, to teach them lessons of how not to be lukewarm. Come on, see God for who he is. Listen, this whole series, this whole series has been meant to allow the physical to be pulled, to to look past the physical world that we live in and to see and to pull the curtain back on the spiritual that's going on. And there's a spiritual warfare that is happening. Remember, we said this on a number of occasions. You don't battle against flesh and blood. You are battling against powers and principalities of this world. There's a warfare that is happening for your heart, for your soul, for your mind, and, and for your life. And there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is advising you to let, let go of the, all that and to see reality of the spiritual life that is happening all around you and to make the trade, to make the trade and to buy into the idea that there's a refining process for your life. Come on. You say, ah, man, this, this feels like it's hard. And this feels like God's mad. And he, Listen, here's what he says. He says, to those, those whom I love, to those whom I love, he, this, this, this letter to this church in Laodicea was a love letter. I know it doesn't sound that way. He's talking about, you know, vomiting on, on, you know, out of his mouth, right? He's like, this is a love letter. He says, to those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Come on, parents, you do this. You love your kids. You love your kids enough to discipline them. You love your kids enough to tell them when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You love your kids enough to tell them that. And God, our Heavenly Father, is saying to you, I love you. I love you. And I love you enough to tell you that in some areas of your life, you're lukewarm. Therefore, he says, be zealous and repent. In other words, be passionate about turning things around in your life. Be passionate about not being complacent. Be passionate about being dependent on God for everything. As passionate as you can be about your wealth, as passionate as you can be about your health, as passionate as you can be, come on, let's be real, about what kind of water you drink. He says, I want you to be zealous. I want you to be zealous for not being lukewarm by allowing your life to be refined and you go through hard hard times. I want you to be zealous about making the trade from the black wool to the white garment. And I want you to be zealous about seeing life for the reality of what it really is. To have spiritual eyes to see. That's what he wants you to be zealous about. And you gotta repent. You gotta repent. 
He says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. There's a famous painting by William Holman Hunt called The Light of the World. Maybe you've seen this before. But here's Jesus standing at this door. He's wearing a crown of thorns. He's holding a lantern. And you can kind of notice if you're like an artist, you probably notice some of the details of this uh, painting. Uh, But he, there's sort of like, you can clear that the door hasn't been opened in a while, hasn't been used in a while. There's like weeds kind of growing up in here. But there's another detail about this painting that's important. And then one of the details is, is on the door, you'll notice something that's missing. The handle, the handle. You see, there's only a handle on the other side of the door. And the imagery is, is that Jesus is standing on the door of your heart. And there's no handle. Jesus, he's not gonna blow open the door and he's not gonna intrude into your life. No, Jesus wants to be invited into your world. And you are gonna have to You're going to have to open the door to him. And he's saying, I want to sit down with you. I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. Which in that time, at that day, and even still still today, it's it's about relationship. There was some intimacy involved in that. He says, you need to open the door of your heart and you need to let me in because I want to have relationship with you. So don't close me out. Don't close me out when it comes to your habits. Don't close me out when it comes to your marriage. Don't close me out when it comes to your kids. Don't close me out when it comes to your finances or your health or whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. Don't close me out. Open the door to Jesus and let him in so that he can be in every single area of your life. He wants to be. He wants to be. He's standing at the door and knocking. Jesus Almighty is standing at the door knocking. Let me in. Look how cool this is. Now, this is the church, by the way. This is the church. Oh, we can gather for songs and the sermon and, and pass a plate or drop an envelope. And, listen, It's about the presence of God. It's about Jesus being in this place. That's what this is about. And we can go on and do our routines and our religious, you know, you know, rituals and all the all these things. But listen, Jesus needs to be present. And we need to be as a church say, I'm opening the door of my heart. And I'm gonna let Jesus in on every single aspect of my life. And the cool thing is, look what it says in verse 21. The one who overcomes, the one who overcomes, in other words, the one who takes the advice of Jesus and invests in and buys in, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. (laughs) Church, come on. Think about that. One day, those who trade in the black garment for the white garment, those who say, I'm going to let the refining process 
of this life make me more like Jesus. Those that let the work of God open up our eyes to see the reality. We will get to sit on the throne with him. That, when you're there, let me tell you something. When you're there, you're not going to be sitting how you're sitting now. What am I going to have for lunch today? Um, I'm getting hungry, that's for sure. How long has this been going for? You're going to be in heaven in eternity before the Almighty. And he's going to go, come on, have a seat on my throne. And you are going to be pumped. And you're going to be like, I, 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 I can't even contain it. Like I, I want to sit down, but I can't because I'm so excited. I'm here. I'm here. And you're going to be so glad that you didn't make your life about wealth. And you're going to be so glad you didn't make your life about health. You're going to be so glad that you didn't hold on to that black garment, that you traded it in for a white garment called the righteousness of Jesus. You are going to be so pumped you did that, that you took that advice. And as zealous as we can be about these things, let's be zealous about making our life on fire, hot, burning, boiling over for Jesus. And if you can't do that, quit showing up and just be cold. Because either way, Jesus is going, at least you have integrity. Don't show up lukewarm. That's what he's saying to us. Father, mm, it's, it sounds so rebuking because it is. It sounds like we're being disciplined because we are. But just like a good parent, you do that to us because you love us. Because you don't, you love us enough not to leave us in to holding on to our wealth. Like that's our security. You, leave, you don't leave us to hold on to the black garments of shame and guilt anymore. You have a better exchange. You have a better trade for us for free. You don't leave us blind and unclear about what your will is and your purposes are for our life. You, have, you, you give us the remedy and the antidote to allow us to see clearly what is actually going on in this life. Father, I pray that our water 
I pray that our water is hot. I pray, God, that it's not lukewarm. Help us to leave here our water being boiling hot on fire, knowing that the end of the day, at the end of the day, we will overcome. We will overcome the refining process of this life and we will sit on your throne with you. Thank you, Jesus, for that grace and that kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody.